Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Behind me is the Sea of Galilee. It, it's, it's beautiful. The, the things that you're seeing on this video cannot even begin to express just what a beautiful place this is. And the natural geography is extraordinary. You have this, this lake with the mountains that come up beside it. It creates this really unique bowl and it's a beautiful place. What you see right now are the calm waters behind me. But if the wind comes through these valleys just right, it whips up waves like you cannot believe. That even today the fishermen will not go out on the lake, even with their motorized boats, in the midst of a storm like that. That puts in perspective what we read about in Matthew chapter 8 when we read this. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. Then Jesus got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went, woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. See, a storm on this lake doesn't just die down, but the words from Jesus brought calm and peace in the midst of the storm of their lives. The good news is that even today the words of Jesus can bring calm and peace in the midst of the storms of our lives if we'll allow Him and if we'll have the faith to believe that He's in control of every area of our lives. I grew up in a, a great church uh, in Warren, Ohio, and part of my very significant growing up experience was to be a part of a ministry called the Royal Rangers. In fact, we have a a group here meets on Wednesday nights, if you're not familiar with that, for elementary and age boys. Great opportunity not just to learn biblical truths, but also how to be a, a godly young man. And it had a real impact in my life. When I was nine, uh, I went on my first camp out with the Royal Ranger boys. And I remember going, and it was a pretty big deal. I hadn't been away from home all that much. And so this was, this was pretty significant for my mom to, to send me. I was her only child, send, send her little boy away on this camp out, you know. And it was a pretty big deal for me, too, you know, to go. And, and we had a blast. You know, we got there Friday night, and they have all the events and stuff. Saturday, you get up, and you eat around the campfire, you know, and they've got games and stuff you're playing. I remember we were out fishing on Saturday afternoon, and some folks came over to, to where we were fishing, and there's hundreds of boys there from all over the state of Ohio. It was this big, they called it the powwow. It was a big powwow, which is fun to say. So we were at the big powwow, and um, this guy came over and said, everybody needs to go to this particular point in the campground, which, by the way, was called Falling Rock, which just doesn't seem like a good name for a campground, doesn't it? Camp Falling Rock. And uh, they said, you, you all have to go to this one spot because there's bad storms coming through, and there's a tornado warning. And so I remember this, I mean, nine years old, but I see this so clear still in my mind. They herded hundreds of us boys into this big ravine because there were no buildings that were suitable for all of us to be in that would be safe if a tornado were to come through. They herded hundreds of us into this big ravine. And literally, I, I think for three hours, we stood out there in that storm until it passed and went by. And actually, several miles away, uh, there was a funnel cloud that touched down, did a tremendous amount of damage. But I just remember being so fearful in that moment, being so impacted by that storm. And I'd be lying if I, if I didn't tell you, and Rhonda can attest to this, that there's still times when a little thunder and lightning still gets me right here. Like, I have just this kind of fear that still lingers sometimes. 
because I was so marked by that storm that I went through. We go through storms in our lives all the time, don't we? Not necessarily the meteorological ones, but trials and temptations and challenges and problems and struggles and difficulties. We call them storms. And today I want to talk to you about how to survive the storms of life. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 4 this morning. We're going to look at Mark's rendition, his, his version of the story that we just looked at in that video And we're going to talk about how we can make it through the storms in our lives. And what I want to share with you are five things today that I'm calling secrets of the storm. They're not secrets, really, because when I tell you what they are, you'll probably say, I already knew that, Chad. But here's the deal. When you're in the midst of a storm, you don't always think straight, do you? I mean, you know these things when everything's calm and peaceful. But when you're in the midst of the storm, sometimes common sense takes off. Sometimes there's things that we forget in the midst of those trials. And that's why I've called them secrets. Because if we'll remember them now, they'll help us when we get to those times of storm in our lives. Mark chapter 4. Let's just read the the whole story first. And then we'll go back and talk about what we learned. Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 35. That day, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Today I want to give you five secrets of the storm. And And here's the reality. Some of you have come in here today, and as soon as I start talking about this, you said, I am in a storm in my life. And it might not be the kind that brings rain or wind, but it might be in your family. It might be in your finances. It could be in your health. It could be in your job. It could be just a burden that you're carrying in your mind. It could be something that's unknown in front of you. It might be wise for you, even before we begin to talk, identify that storm. What's the storm that you're going through? And be open to what God might speak to you about this season in your life. Because here's here's the first secret of the storm that I'd share with you today. Number one, a storm is bound to blow your way. Not trying to be Mr. Encouragement and happy here, but here's the reality. At some point, a storm's probably going to blow your way. Isn't that true? I mean, it's just the reality of life, whether you like it or not. You may see the clouds gathering. You might hear about it. You might see it on the radar, or it might pop up out of nowhere. But there are storms that come our way. Listen again to what happened in Mark chapter 4. It says in verse 37, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Here, here's, here's kind of a helpful idea for us to know why this was kind of significant for them. They were on the Sea of Galilee, which is in kind of the northern part of Israel. It is, it is a beautiful place. It's actually not a sea in the way that we would use that term. It's more of a big lake, about 13 miles long, about 8 miles wide at its widest point. And it's this big lake that is surrounded all the way around it by mountains. 
And it's beautiful. It's gorgeous when you, when you see the hills and the countryside that's there. And it's just this beautiful place. It's also very low. It's 680 feet below sea level. Now, all of this geography is significant because what happens is there's hot, humid air there on that lake. But to the west, you have the Mediterranean Sea. And when the cool breezes of the Mediterranean Sea come blowing across Israel and in through the valleys that lead into this basin that houses the, the Sea of Galilee, you get some crazy storms that can stir up. They can come out of nowhere. Even to this day, fishermen are, are fearful and concerned about going out on the lake at certain times. And so what happens is cold air, warm air, you know how that works. And when those things meet, right there trapped in that basin, they can have violent storms with, with what we would kind of almost know as tornadic winds that would happen there. I have not only read this in books, but when we were there in January, we, we kind of experienced one of these things. The video you just saw was shot out of our uh, balcony of our hotel room that we were in. And that's why I'm kind of whispering in that, in that video, if you notice, because it was like 6.30 in the morning or something. And we were out there shooting that. And it was beautiful and it was calm. But that night, after we had shot that video in the morning, that night had been a beautiful day. We went to bed. I woke up in the middle of the night to the building shaking. I mean, we were, we were on the 10th floor. And I could hear that wind, and you could feel kind of the torrent of that storm as it came through. And I said to myself, I am going to die in Israel. I mean, it was just, it was that kind of storm, right? It can happen like that. Now, we know why that storm happened. But why does the storm happen in your life? Where do these storms come from? I think it's good for us maybe to just to talk about it honestly for a few minutes. One of the places that storms come in our lives is what I would just call a natural storm. It's just a natural storm that comes your way. It's not because anybody did anything wrong. It's not because anything bad happened. It's just naturally what happened. In the same ways that storms just happen in our, in our physical world, they happen in our lives too. There's accident. There's illness. There's weather. There's disagreements. There's tough choices. Things break and fall apart sometimes. We live in a fallen world, and as a result, sometimes there's storms. There's not just natural storms, but here, here's a second kind that I think we face sometimes. It's what I would call a seasonal storm. It's a storm that comes in certain seasons of our lives. If you live in Northwest Ohio, you know that in just a few months, we won't be talking about how hot it is, right? Instead, we'll be prone to winter storms. And then when we get through the winter storms and we get into the spring, there's a certain season of time that oftentimes we'll even refer to as tornado season because you can be prone to have certain storms in that time of the year that can become violent in that way. We know there's certain seasons when certain storms can happen because sometimes the conditions are just right for a certain kind of storm. I think the same thing happens in our lives when you're tired, when you're busy, when there's a lot of pressure on you, one of the things I think that happens sometimes in life that we, we forget about is that change happens. Change that sometimes we can't control or that we didn't choose or that we didn't like. And that change can feel like a storm that comes our way. It's not because we did anything wrong. It's the season that we're in. I think it's helpful for us to know that because then maybe sometimes it can help us to prepare and be ready for the storm. So there's natural storms. There's, there's, there's seasonal storms. I'd also say that there's times when you might experience a spiritual storm. There's times when you know you're up against some kind of spiritual struggle or challenge or a storm. How many of you have found out that we do have an enemy of our soul, right? Ephesians chapter 6 says that, that we don't fight in our lives. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against things that are taking place in the heavenly realms. 
against powers and principalities, Paul says. And that means that, that someone who hates God, the devil, is your enemy, and there's times when he will bring attacks and trials and doubt and struggles that will come your way. And those can feel quite like a storm, can they not? Sometimes we face spiritual storms. And just, just to be really honest, there's times when we face what I would just call a personal storm. For, for lack of a better term, I, I just call it a personal storm. And I call it that because this is a storm or a challenge or something that you go through because you're personally responsible for it. Choices you made, something you did. You can look back on life and you can look at it with repentance and you can look at it with regret, but you still know the reason I'm in this place right now is, is because of a storm that I kind of brewed up on my own. And I think sometimes it's important for us to look at that and see that, that some decisions in our lives, when we're in a, I guess maybe you'd say the wrong place at the wrong time, can lead to a storm. I don't, I don't know if you saw this in the news, uh, it was two, three weeks ago now, but about the car that, that, that kind of crashed into the front of a Walmart in West Virginia. Did anybody see this? It was really kind of interesting. A lady had to just run into Walmart and grab a couple of things real quick. So she went in and it was so hot, she left her car running. Inside her car were her two cute little terriers, Sadie and Peppy. She walked out to where her car was and she couldn't figure out why it was gone until someone pointed at the front of the building and said, is that your car? While she was in the store, this is her recollection, this is how she figures it happened, she thinks Peppy put it in gear and Sadie steered it into, into the Walmart. You could see the, like, the actual footage of the, of the thing that happened. You can watch this guy, he's kind of like, what is going on as this car is just crawling, just creeping across the parking lot and probably slamming right into lawn furniture. Can you picture that? Just right out there. Here's what the article, I did not make this up, here's what the article said. They found out that these dogs that their park was worse than their bite. Isn't that terrible? It's terrible. The article concluded with this line, I guess these dogs had a rough day. <laughs> was it the dog's fault that they crashed that car into Walmart? Was it Walmart's fault for not putting up dog barriers? Was it the auto manufacturer's fault because they did not make the car dog proof? You know whose fault it was? Some lady chasing rolled back prices. It was her fault. <laughs> you can't blame anybody else when you leave your dogs in your running car. She brewed that storm. Came from her. And we do that sometimes. And it's important for us to recognize this, whether it's natural or seasonal or spiritual or personal, storms are a normal part of life. They're gonna come our way. At some point, we're gonna face them. Now let me tell you what's been really exciting of late. Is that every week I see God bring people into this church on a Sunday morning who are facing a storm. And I get the opportunity to talk with them in the Connection Center or I meet them in the atrium or we, we interact after a service. And they talk about the challenges they're facing, storms brought by illness or disappointment or struggles or work or whatever, whatever it might be. And people who are coming to Calvary and when they do, they find that in the midst of their storm, Jesus Christ is bringing peace and life and hope. Isn't that awesome? And we're excited about this. I guess that's why last Sunday, I, I just was so disappointed when I found out something that happened. Do you, you ever have those moments where your dad just said, hey, can we sit down and talk about something real quick? Because our family doesn't act this way. Can I be dad for just a minute? 
Because I heard this story, and, and I'll, just, I'll just say it right out of the gate. I don't know, I don't know the people involved. I don't know who did what. I, but I've heard it from several different sources, so I know that it's true. But there were some guests that came to Calvary last week, and they got here early, and they got into the service, and they got, they got seated in their seat, and they were all ready to go and excited for what God was going to do in their lives being here. And then some folks kind of walked up to them and looked at them and said, hey, you're sitting in my seat. Yeah, that's what I said too. Now look, I don't, I don't tell this to shame anyone. In first service, somebody up there yelled, but shame on you. <laughs> I don't say it to shame anybody. It's just this, when I heard that story, I said, that's not the Calvary I know. That, that's not the people that I know. So two things that came to my mind. One, one was this. If that, if that happened to be you, that you heard that, somebody said to you, hey, you're sitting in my seat. I just want to apologize because we're far more concerned about what God can do in someone's life than when God puts someone's rear end, right? Amen. And so that's, that's an important part of who we are. The other, the, other side, the other side is this. I just think it's really important for us to recognize that God is bringing life change to people who are in the midst of a storm. And that's good for us to be reminded and to see what God is doing. Uh, when I was hearing this story, a friend of mine was, was, was telling it to me, and, and he was there as, as several other people were confirming it. And here's what he said. He said, I have a lot of unsaved loved ones. And I know that if someone from my family who does know Christ, does not know Christ, showed up for that service and somebody said that to them, they would say, I'll never be back in church again. So here's, here's, here's why this is such a big deal. We had over 100 people at our new people party on Friday night. God is doing some exciting things. We had over 300 people at the service that we had last Sunday night for the very first time. And people saying, thank you for this option because I can't go to church otherwise. We had the highest single Sunday attendance last Sunday outside of a Christmas or an Easter that this church has ever had because God is touching people's lives. We had, but here's what matters, right? We had many people raise their hand and say, I need to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we had 34 people publicly say that by being baptized in water. That's worth celebrating. That's the point. That's why we do what we do because Jesus brings calm in the midst of a storm. So understand this, if you're new to Calvary, two things I think are good for you to know. One is this, at Calvary, we're more concerned about names than numbers. We talk about the numbers because the numbers show just a sign of what God is doing, but behind every number is a name and the name is more important. We're more concerned about names than numbers and at Calvary, we're more concerned about souls than seats, amen? Why? Because people are going through storms. And the only place that you're going to find calm and peace is in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Why is that so important? Because you ain't going to dodge the storm. At some point, it's going to come. So when it does, here's the second thing I want you to remember. How, here's, a, here's a second secret for surviving the storm. Because as I read this story and I started looking at the disciples, one of the things that I did not like is that I saw myself in them. Here's the second thing that we see. Number two, storms can bring out the worst in us. Number two, storms can bring out the worst in us. I want to highlight just a couple things that we see in this story, and, and here's, here's the reason why, because I think when we hear them, it helps, them, helps us to be on our guard. Watch this, Mark chapter 4, verse 38. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? 
Now, the way that they talk, the things that they say, the way they respond, show us what effect a storm can have on our lives. And it's important for us to see this. Let me show you just a a few things that happen during a storm. It happens to the disciples here. It can happen to us when we face these storms. One is this. Storms cause fear. When you experience a storm, storms cause fear. I mean, you can just hear the fear in their statement. You can hear it in their voice. You can tell they're kind of freaking out. Now, they've experienced storms before. Many of these guys were experienced fishermen. Now, I know that this was a real storm, and it was probably right for them to be frightened, but what you watch here is that their fear takes them not into action mode, but into panic mode, and there's a difference, right? They slip into a panic mode, and here's what happens. We lose our confidence when we become afraid. When you let fear take over, you lose your confidence. You lose kind of your sense of direction. You lose what's going on, and when fear comes in, it's right to be concerned. When you see waves coming over your boat, you probably should act, but this sounded a whole lot more like panic. You know what they say to do if you're ever lost? One of the key survival tips, if you're ever lost, let's say you're out in the woods and you're somewhere and you're lost, and I I would say this, this could even be true, like when you're driving, you're like, I don't know where I am. One of the most important things for you to do when you're lost, they say, is to stop and sit down. Instead of just running around, instead of just shooting off in all kinds of different directions, the most important thing you can do to start, just stop and sit down. Stop and think for a minute. Okay, where am I? What's going on? Where did, I, where did I come from? How do I figure this out? What I found is if I just let the fear set in, who knows where I'm gonna end up? Sometimes the most important thing I need to do is just stop and get my bearings and deal with that fear. Otherwise, fear just pushes confidence out of the way. Storms cause fear. But watch, watch the tone of voice that the disciples use with Jesus. These great men of faith and courage who have pledged to leave everything and follow him, listen again to what they say. They say to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Some theologians that I, that I read, some people that commented on this, said you could even translate that as if to say that they were looking at Jesus and they were just so upset with him, they were actually scolding him and saying, Jesus, for all you care, we're gonna drown. Like, what do you even care? There was this frustration that was there. And storms cause frustration. When you're in the midst of a storm, you get frustrated, you get uptight, you get upset, and you feel that internal kind of tension inside. Do you know what I'm talking about? That frustration. And why frustration is so dangerous is because we lose perspective when we become frustrated. We forget what's important, we forget what's safe, we forget that storms don't last forever, and we get frustrated and we lose our perspective. You've done this, you ever been driving in traffic and you just get frustrated? And at some point, you're tempted, and some of you act on that temptation to just drive in a way that's not safe. You want to whip around things. You want to get in different places. You just, all I want to do is push the gas pedal, right? And you lose perspective of what really makes sense around you because you're frustrated. Now look, these guys had every right to be frustrated. They had some things going on in this story that I think are important for us to realize because we become frustrated with the same things. We become frustrated with what I would call disappointing obedience. Sometimes we become frustrated with disappointing obedience. 
If you go back and you read the first part of chapter four, Jesus has been teaching. He's been in a boat. He's been teaching people because he would go out in the boat on the water. People would gather on the hillside. So it was kind of like his stage or his platform. And speaking up like this, the natural acoustics there would, would amplify it, almost like an amphitheater. And so Jesus was in the boat. If you remember what happens in verse 35, it says Jesus turns to them. It's evening. And he says to them, guys, let's just go to the other side of the lake. Let's just get out of here. Whether he was trying to get some rest, get away from the crowd, if he knew where he was going, had a plan, I don't know. But it says that they took him just as he was. It means they didn't run back up to the house. They didn't go through the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A. They just went. Right? They just left. They are in this storm because they're doing what Jesus told them to do. They were obeying him. And now they're in the eye of a hurricane. That's disappointing obedience. God, why did you let this happen? I didn't do anything wrong here, God. And so now I'm frustrated. Not only that, sometimes we get frustrated with disappointing obedience, but watch what else happens here. This is almost kind of funny. We become frustrated with divine absence. Not just disappointing obedience, but divine absence. We are out here in the middle of this lake, in a boat, in a storm, because you told us to, and now you're sleeping. You're snoring. While we're bailing, and this does not seem right. Have you ever heard anybody say, God, where are you? I'm in the midst of this storm. And God, it feels like you're not even here. It feels like you're fast asleep. I hear this frustration from people in the midst of storms all the time. Why would God let this happen? Why would God allow me to go into this? God, where are you in the midst of this? And it's tough. It's frustrating. But if we're not careful, that frustration will set in and not only cause us to lose our perspective. Here's the third thing that happens in storms. Storms cause despair. Storms cause despair. It's funny the different things you remember. I remember so clearly being in that ravine I remember so clearly being in that ravine in my childhood. We were just about to go swimming, and uh, so I was standing there in my swimsuit. I remember I had just gone over to this little concession, uh, confession? Concession, concession stand. I didn't grow up Catholic. Concession stand. I had in my hand this cheap can of generic grape pop. I mean, I remember this so clearly. I remember standing there and people that were around me what I remember most clearly is that when the storm was coming in and they were talking about a tornado, I remember very clearly standing there, nine years old, and at the top of my lungs yelling, we're all going to die! We are all going to die! I remember it. Man of faith and courage, we're all going to die! I remember, I remember Dave Reeder was my leader. I remember this sweet guy coming over and putting his arm around me and saying, Chad, you're not going to die. We're all going to die! Total despair. So proud of that moment in my life. It's a high point. Jesus, we're all going to drown. Don't you even care? It's curtains for us. Peter, text your wife, you ain't going home tonight. We're all going to drown. So many times in the storms, we jump right to the worst case scenario. We lose our hope when we despair. It's quiet because some of you have been there. <laughs> the next thing I'll share with you 
is the whole, uh, the whole hinge of this sermon. Like everything turns on number three. It's, it's, it's the thing that if you'll grasp this, if you'll get a hold of this, if you'll understand this, it changes everything about your storm. Number three, God is greater than the storm. God is greater than the storm. I love this next verse. Look at this with me. Mark chapter four, verse 39. Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. I love the fact that it doesn't say, Jesus got up and had to brew a cup of coffee first. It's powerful here what Jesus didn't do. He didn't have to read something. He didn't have to do some kind of incantation. He didn't have to do some kind of exercise first. It sounds like he just kind of sat up and rubbed his eyes a little bit. And then he just spoke. Quiet. Be still. His words could be translated silent. The one word has the idea of like, of like an animal that has to be muzzled. One commentator said, it's as if Jesus said to the waves, shut up. And when he did, with all his power, just with his word, it was completely calm. He actually uses the same words, and I'm encouraged by this. He actually uses the same words in Mark chapter one, verse 25. Jesus has encountered a man who has an evil spirit. This isn't wind and waves, this is a demon in some guy. Watch what Jesus says, verse 25. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Wow. Just his word. Just his word is enough to change everything. It's enough to change everything. And understand this, whether he is encountering a furious storm, or whether he's encountering the powers of hell itself, Jesus, just with his words, has power over that. Isn't that encouraging when you're in a storm? Jesus has authority over the natural and the supernatural. There is nothing that has more power than him. God is greater than the storm. Let me change that up a little bit. God is greater than your storm. Whatever it is you're facing, and this isn't an easy answer. I mean, you'll see, I, I can't guarantee you that your storm will be over today. But I do know this. I know that he's greater than your storm. And that he can bring peace in the midst of it. If we'll grab number four. Here's the fourth secret of the storm this morning. We weather the storm through faith and not fear. We will weather the storm through faith and not fear. Jesus wakes up, he turns off the storm, and then he turns and looks at his disciples and he asks them two questions that I don't think we can, we can fail to ask ourselves today. Look at verse 40 of Mark chapter four. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Look at that first question he asked. He says, why are you so afraid? This is a common theme all throughout scripture. 
360 plus times we read in God's word, do not be afraid, fear not. The Bible says over and over again that we need to deal with our fear. Do you know why it does that? I think this is critical and why Jesus asked this question here. Why are you so afraid? Why does Jesus even care? Here's why. Because fear feeds a storm. When you're in the midst of a storm, you add fear to it, your storm gets bigger, doesn't it? When you're afraid, all of a sudden the thunder's louder, the lightning's closer, the winds are stronger, the rain is wetter. That's what happens in a storm. Fear feeds a storm. That's why scripture says over and over again, do not be afraid. Because when you give way to fear, well, here's what happens. Listen to the second question he asks. Why are you so afraid? Then he says, do you still have no faith? After all you've seen me do, after everything we've been through together, do you still have no faith? See, this is critical because oftentimes when we think about faith, we think that the, 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 the problem with, with faith is doubt. See, the issue in this story was not doubt. These guys believed in Jesus. They followed him. They literally have left everything to follow him. They're not doubters, they're believers. See, that's, that's many of us too. Now, I will say this. I will say that doubt is the enemy of faith. Doubt keeps us from faith. It pushes things away. Doubt is the enemy of faith. But doubt's not the problem in this story. And doubt's probably not the problem with many of you. It's not that you're a doubter, you're a believer. The problem is how you respond in the storm. See, doubt's the enemy of faith, but fear is the opposite of faith. And when we should be moving towards faith, oftentimes we, we allow fear to cause us to move totally away from that. And so what happens is when we're moving towards fear, we're going in the opposite direction of where faith is. Does that make sense? So that's why in the midst of a storm, we have to consider these things. We have to put our hope in him. And for whatever reason, God keeps bringing this up in these, in these messages. This wasn't necessarily um, anything that, that, that I, I saw out there. But three times in the last four weeks, God has brought us to a place where he's saying, faith gets my attention. When you believe, I notice. We've also noticed that when we don't believe, he notices. Faith gets God's attention. So what do we do with this? Faith is not wishful thinking. It's worshipful trust. So when I say, God, I put my confidence and my trust in you. I'm not wishing upon a star. I'm not trying to hype this thing up. God, I just know that even in the midst of this storm, I trust in you. So how do you do that in the midst of a storm? Because I know some of you are right there right now. In the midst of a storm, how do you trust? How do you build that faith? Here's what I'm gonna encourage you to do. Some of us are more prone to freak out than we are to trust. So I wanna challenge you to lower your freak factor by raising your faith factor. You gotta lower that threshold. Some of you, as soon as you see a dark cloud, put up the hurricane shutters. You freak so fast. You've got to lower your freak factor, and you do that by raising your faith factor. How do I do that, Chad? Go ahead and ask me right now. How do I do that, Chad? I'm so glad you asked. God's word raises our faith. If you need to raise your faith, get into God's word. Read it. Listen to it. Think about it. Make sure that the things you are listening to, look, if you're in the midst of a storm, turn off country music and the blues, all right? <laughs> Listen to some worship songs. You'll get your dog and your truck back, right? That's the way it works, okay? Find ways to, sorry, find ways 
to get God's word into your spirit. God's word raises our faith. God's people raise our faith. Be around people who are people of faith. Be around people. It's why you need to come to church. It's why you need to be in a connect group. It's why you need to have friendships where people can speak words of confidence and truth and faith into your life. Does that make sense? Here's the other thing too. You might have some Christian friends who have a a low freak out threshold. Encourage them, but don't let them in your boat in the time of storm, okay? (laughs) Find people who are gonna build your faith. God's word raises our faith. God's presence raises our faith. God's people raise our faith, and yeah, God's presence raises our faith. You need to be in God's presence. Look, there was nothing wrong with the disciples going back and waking up Jesus. Who was the only person in the boat that could really do anything in that moment? Him. You know what was wrong? They woke him up with fear instead of faith. How much better would it have been if they'd gone back and said, Jesus, time to show off. (laughs) Get in his presence. Seek him. Look to him. Thank him. When you thank him, even in the midst of a storm, it it raises your faith. Look, in some of you, the most important thing you can do today is actually put your trust in him. It could be that you're here today, and you'd say, Chad, things aren't right between me and God. What I need is not just peace. I need something more. I need forgiveness. I need hope. I have no joy I have no purpose. I can tell you that all those things can be found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, storm or no storm. And the only place that you'll find not just real life today, but life forever is through him. That's why Jesus died on the cross. He he paid the price for your sins and my sins. And on the third day he rose again so that he conquered death and we could know life through him. It comes when we look to him and put our trust and our confidence in him. And today, as this service goes on, it's as easy as you responding and saying, Lord, I need you as my Lord and Savior. I need you to change my life. For some of you, it could be for the very first time today that you pray a prayer like that. For some of you, it's it's not that you need to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's you need to begin again. Maybe you were there at one point and and you've wandered away. He can be with you in your life if you'll look to him. If you'll weather the storm It'll be done through faith and not fear. Which leads to the last thing that I want to show you today. Number five. We must not forget the lessons of the storm. We must not forget the lessons of the storm. If if God has allowed you to go through a storm, it's because somewhere in here, there's something that he wants you to see. Too many times I think when I go through a storm, I ask the wrong question. The question I'm prone to ask is, why did this happen? Why did God let this happen? I think the better question for me to ask is, God, what are you wanting to do through this storm? God, how do you want to work in my life? What am I supposed to learn? Look at what we read in verse 41 of Mark chapter 4. It says, the disciples were terrified, and they asked each other, who is this? even the wind, and waves obey him. See, up to this point, they knew him as a teacher. They knew him as a prophet. They knew him as someone who told them the way that they could find forgiveness and salvation. You know what hadn't clicked for them yet? They hadn't fully understood. This is God. This is the son of God back here. 
It's not just some dude sleeping in the back of the boat. But what they learned through the storm was who Jesus really is. You know what we learned through the storm? Who Jesus really is. So understand this. Do not let the storm defeat you. God is greater than the storm you face. Do not let the storm defeat you. Some of you are in a storm and you, you have let it bring you to a point and I'm not saying you're not tired. I'm not saying it's not difficult. I'm just saying this. 1 John 4, 4 says this. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and all of its storms. So don't let it defeat you. The other thing that happens so many times when we go through a storm is that we let the storm be what shapes us. We let the storm be what makes us. And the reality is, do not let the storm define you. God is faithful through the storm. You can trust in him. I, this is, I am not making this up. I was nine years old. It was the summer between my third and fourth grade year when I went through that little, that little camp out tornado thing. For the next two years, fourth and fifth grade year, if you asked me, Chad, what are you gonna be when you grow up? I would have told you, a meteorologist. I wanted to study the weather. I wanted to know where storms came from. I wanted to know how to protect myself. Could you imagine me as a meteorologist? Here's a warm front coming across Northwest Ohio, right? (laughs) No. That wasn't God's call in my life. Now look, he uses the events of our lives to shape us and to make us, but it's not supposed to define us. You know what defines us? Who he is. And he's faithful. We can trust in him. We can look to him. Don't let the storm defeat you. Don't let it define you. And don't let the storm distract you because God is working through this storm. God's working through your storm. It can distract you. It can take you off course. It can cause you to lose sight. Next week, you know where we're gonna go next week? We're gonna go to the very next verse, Mark chapter five, verse one. We're gonna look at this next story. It's a powerful story. I don't know if this story would make as much sense if we didn't have the story that we're looking at today. Because God works through those things. You know when he worked? When he got to the other side of the lake. Look, on the other side of this storm, God's doing something. Don't be distracted. He's working in the midst of this. And I know this isn't isn't popular to say, but storms can be good things. It's easy for me to preach that. Hey, God's doing something good in your storm. But tell that to the people in Louisiana right now, right? You don't see it in the moment. You don't know it at the time. But trust God that through it all, as you keep your eyes on him, there's something he's working out. There was a, there was a part of Florida, it was this beautiful kind of lush garden area, had all kinds of tropical plants and things that were growing. And somehow, these Australian pine trees found their way there. Not native, they just were there. And what happened is that these Australian pine trees grew faster than everything else and grew higher than everything else. And they began to overtake everything else so that over time, these pine trees grew up in a way that blocked out the sun and blocked out the rain. And do you know what happened to everything else that was there that was beautiful? It began to dry up and die. Because what wasn't supposed to be there had covered over it all, and then came a hurricane. And a hurricane blew through there, and as it did, those tall trees that weren't supposed to be there in the first place, it snapped them all off. If you go back to that particular part of Florida right now, you'll know what you'll see in that garden. You'll see that what used to be there and was beautiful and had died is beautiful again. Because what was blocking that blessing had to be removed. Do you know how it was taken care of? 
it took a storm. Nobody would have asked for it, but it never would have happened without it. I don't know why you're in the storm that you're in. I just know this, that you can trust a God who's greater than that storm and know that he's working even in the middle of it. And so, Father, today we look to you. And we trust you in our storm. God, I know that there's people in this room. I, for months, I've been excited about this morning. Because I know the power of your word to bring calm in the midst of a storm. I know the power of your spirit to speak to us. And that, Father, if we'll look to you, if we'll trust you, what you can do is a powerful thing. Father, we give you our storm. Lord, we entrust to you in faith our lives, that through it all, our eyes would be on you.
lift your voice. Let's sing that again. It is well with my soul. on that balcony that you saw in that video back in January looking out on the Sea of Galilee son Clayton helped me to shoot that video that you saw and I'm telling you when I shot that I said to myself that will be a special morning at Calvary I've been looking forward to today for eight months because I know a God who calms a storm and I know that some of you are in the midst of one. And I can't guarantee you that you'll walk out of this building today and the waves and wind will stop on the outside, but I know they can on the inside. And that's why he calmed that 2,000 years ago, because he can do it in your heart today. So here's, here's what you got to do sometimes. When there's a lot of fear, sometimes the best thing that you can do is take a step of faith. It's real simple. Here's, here's what we're going to do. Whether you're here or you're over in Auditorium 2, maybe if you're watching this on a screen somewhere, we're going to start to sing that again. It is well with my soul. And if you're in the midst of a storm, I don't want you to second guess it. I don't want you to talk yourself out of it. I'm going to invite you to take a step of faith. Sometimes for a spiritual reality to happen in our lives, it requires a physical response. I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat and just come and stand down here. If you're in the midst of a storm and you need to say, God, I need your strength. I give this storm to you. As Beverly begins this song right now, just begin to come. Just begin to come and say, God, I, in the midst of my storm, I trust in you. In the midst of where I'm at, I trust in you. Just come on down and kind of move toward the center here. Take that step of faith. Deal with that fear. Say, God, in the midst of what I'm facing, in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of what doesn't seem right, in the midst of where I'm confused, in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my fear and frustration and despair, God, I give you this storm. It is well. It is well. Would you sing that? It is well. Whether you're here at the front or you're in your seat, would you sing this? Fill this place with faith. Thank you, Lord. In the midst of my storm, Jesus, I give it to you. I give it to you.
affirm this. Make this your prayer. If you just extend your arms to the Lord, just a position of surrender, maybe even all throughout the room. Some of you that, that aren't here, maybe you know that you shouldn't be. Lord, through it all, we put our trust in you. Lord, we can't do anything to dodge the storm, but we can run to the one who's in control. Lord, when there's fear and frustration and despair, we put our eyes on you. Lord, in those moments when the winds and the waves seem like they might overtake us, you are our confidence. You are our strength. We affirm it is well with our souls. Lord, we, we stand by that truth that the wind and waves 2,000 years later, they still know your name. And so we speak the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for calm and peace in hearts. Even in the midst of the storm, Lord, would you give strength? Would you give hope? Would you give perspective and confidence that these storms wouldn't defeat us or define us or distract us from what you called us to do and be? But that through it all, as we set our eyes on you, Lord, we would gladly affirm it is well with our souls. Lord, as we go out from here, as we walk away from this service, when the enemy wants to come and say that, that fear is real or that despair is real, may we stand on the faith of who you are, put our trust in you. As we go from here, would you go with us? Send us out with your special favor and your wonderful peace. In Jesus' name, amen.